All right, this is episode 10 of the radio podcast. And in this episode, we had Mr. Vlad Nikic. You guys know Mr. Nikic? Yeah, yeah. yeah we do. <laughs> We've really... got Lazarus here and Daryl, both of the student council, our communications officer, and our vice president. How are you guys doing? I am doing fine. Really good. You said you wanted to wrap this. Okay. So I have I made a wrap this morning about <laughs> the Halloween week that we're going to be having here at school. So I hope you guys all enjoy this. Awesome. So uh, let me start. I don't know if you can hear the beat on there, can you? <clears throat> uh. Uh. The events of the week. Tuesday is twin day, so dress nice and neat. Three-legged race in the gym, which Olsen twin will win. The 26th is superhero and villain day, so expect to see a bunch of clowns in the hallways. Everybody plans to be the Joker on that day. Thursday is a magical, it's Disney day. We plan on getting trivial in the front foyer. Friday will be great, it's black and orange day. And please pay for the cupcakes that we'll bake. We'll end it fine on the 29th. Costume day... Is how we'll end the week. And please don't buy a costume last minute at the least. We'll have a good week if everybody participates. Show your school spirit so we all can celebrate. Yay! <laughs> good good job. Thank you. I've tried my hand at rapping, but that, that is way better. That's awesome. Did you, uh, have to, you practice that, right? Yeah, I practiced that a few times in the morning. <laughs> what a way to get back into podcast season. Yeah. So... This is all about uh, Spirit Week this week, starting tomorrow. Yeah, Tuesday's the on the 25th, we're, we're having Twin Day. And basically what that is, is like uh, you'd be dressing the same as someone else. And we're having like a three-legged race thing in the gym uh, uh, during lunch. Sounds and like I just got to bring up my notes here for the rest of the day. Uh, the next day is going to be Wednesday is Superhero and Villain Day. So... Essentially, that what that is is you can dress up as a superhero or a villain of your choice, and we're going to be having a few events with that. I just got to. I should have brought this up earlier. Are you going to be so, a superhero or a villain? I think I'm going to be a superhero. I think I feel like a superhero that day. What are you, Daryl? Obviously, obviously a villain. A villain. <laughs> <laughs> do you know which one? Uh, no, I don't know yet. Which villain do you usually you know relate to? Which uh, one do you oh, relate Joker. to? Joker. Joker. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I could the, see that. I did the Joker one time. Really? I don't know, I don't know what I'm going to do this time. What are you dressing up for Halloween? I haven't decided yet. I, I don't know. I might bring back my Steve Minecraft thing. Um, uh, I'm making a costume for my son. It's going to be No Face from Spirit of, oh, Spirited yeah. Away, you know? Yeah. So he's making that costume. What are you going as, Lass? I'm going as Spider-Man. The Spider-Man. For show, Halloween? Oh, no, no, for the superhero and villain day. Oh. But for Halloween, I think I'm going to go as Darth Vader or as um, Luke Skywalker or something like that. Nice. nice. So uh, Wednesday the 26th is superhero and villain day. I already said that. And we're going to have an obstacle course in the gym. Uh, Thursday is uh, the 27th. Thursday is Disney Day, and we're having a trivia in the front foyer. And, um, yeah, Black and Orange Day where you can wear black and orange, you know, like the color theme for Halloween. That's on Friday? Yeah, that's on Friday the 28th, and we're going to have a big sale. They also have a, a traditional uh, They have a traditional wear coming up wanna... on Friday, too, that's done by the Culture Club. So if you have your The tradi- Culture Club? Yeah. So Is that with, like, your... Boy George? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Did you... I have no clue. Do you, know the cult- Do you don't know the Culture Club? 
I only know a few songs from Boy George. No idea. Like Karma Chameleon and all that. Karma Chameleon. Yeah. Do you really oh, yeah, okay. want to hurt me? And um, I, I, I guess they didn't know about no, I the know Culture them. Cup when they made the name. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's funny. It's recognized <laughs> yeah. by the world. It's just made Sorry. Monday the 29th is costume day, so that's basically, you know, self-explanatory. You'll be wearing a costume, and uh, we're having a costume contest, but I'm not quite sure how that's going to be running, but yeah. Yeah, it's practically like a fashion show. You come in, and uh, you dress up, and so you show show off your costume, and then I think there's a panel of judges or something, and then in the end of the day, the best one wins a prize. Cool. So what else is coming up? Oh, we have a haunted house, too. Haunted house. You guys are working on that tonight, aren't you? Yeah, we are. Yeah, yeah. We've been working at it hard for about two weeks now. Today's a an off day, and you guys are still here. Yeah. That's awesome. See, we're dedicated to this, guy. So, like, if anyone is listening and goes to Delview, we'd really appreciate it if you participated in this event. And teachers, too. It's really yeah, a great way. Yeah, come on, way. teachers. Get your game. <laughs> it's really a great way to bring the school together and everything. What are the details of that? The haunted house? So, it starts from 3, and it goes up to 5.30. What uh, days? It's, it's from Wednesday to Friday, uh, the week uh, the week before Halloween. Mm-hmm. So this that's week, this week. Yeah, this week. Yeah, and I mean the the theme of it is like fairy tales. So you're going through four unique fairy tales, but we we put a twist on it. So you may oh, want to come and check that out. A haunted fairy tale. Yeah, that's great. So you, right now you're you're in the midst of putting together the sets. Yes, we are, and it's a lot of work. So hope you guys come out. <laughs> yeah, I awesome. kind of had a sneak peek myself to the sets because I'm not like part of the haunted house committee, but I got to hang around there, and it looks really good. And I think you guys would enjoy it if you go there. No teachers, spoilers. I won't give spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> but are teachers allowed to? Yeah, teachers. Yeah, teachers are allowed. To How much is it? It's about four bucks, like four last bucks. year, and uh, yeah, so. It's four bucks. <laughs> Good. Good. That sounds doable. I went to the last couple and they were great. Oh, yeah. you went to the one. I never actually went to one before. What? I've never gone to one before. <laughs> this will be your first Revelation. one. You better yeah. go to this one. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'll be there anyways because I have to do something with the lights or something like that. Yeah. Anything else coming up? What are you guys um, looking forward to? Remembrance Day. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Remembrance Day. Yeah. that always comes every year. You must remember Remembrance Day. Yeah. Um, other than that, American Thanksgiving. For anyone who <laughs> Any American guys. listeners up there? <laughs> I don't think there are many, but we'll see. Um, we'll see. Yeah. Other than that, there should be a spirit. There's spirit weeks coming up in the next month, but we're not sure yet. Uh, just keep updated on the school calendar, and we'll find out how it goes. Yeah, okay. we're hoping this year that we can get like school participation up across the board, meaning like from, you know, students, staff members, anyone who's involved in the school to participate in these events because like student council really puts a lot of planning into it and we try our best to make something that's really enjoyable for like the just W in general. So we hope that, you know, all our working isn't in vain and that uh, you guys enjoy the Halloween week. We've got a really good council this year as well. You guys uh, have a big group of how many people? About 28. 28. Yeah. yeah, it's going to be good. All right. Thanks for joining me. Yeah. And thank you for having us thank on. Thank you for having us on, yeah. Oh, anytime. Come back again. <laughs> on to Mr. Nickich. Thanks, guys. All right. Bye. High uh, five.
<laughs> Sorry about that. Student council's looking for paintbrushes. Oh, of course. Yeah. And they need drama teachers to do that for them. Because apparently I have all the paintbrushes. Mm. What you do? No, I don't. <laughs> no, we didn't clean them properly last year, so they got all gunked up with paint. We threw them all away. Oh. Well, it's important to clean. It is important to clean. So, lesson learned for us. Recycle. Yeah. yeah. Sustainability. Yeah. That's a shame. Speaking of sustainability, you'll notice that my Coke can is green. Yeah. Yeah, I've never seen that before. It's a Coca Cola Live. Coke Life. Life. And it's uh, sweetened with stevia instead of sugar. It's supposed to be better for you. Is it also made with cocaine rather than caffeine? Uh, they haven't done that since the 20s. Uh, How old are you? 1896. 1896? Is that when it was? Last time, yeah. Uh, You know the exact year? I know. Well, he's a history teacher. I should have known that, but I... Huge fan of Sigmund Freud, who was actually sniffing it at the same time. But anyway... (laughs) (laughs) This is all going out there, you know. That's fine. We're actually podcasting live right now. I I admire Freud. People know that. You had a lot of good theories. Yeah. So have we introduced our guest yet? Uh, No, we haven't done that Who's our guest? We are sitting here today with uh, Mr. Vladimir Nikic, nice. who uh, hails to us from the Social Studies Department here at Delview Secondary. I thought he was going to say Soviet Union. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, that's what, that's what everybody thinks. Yeah, remember. that's right, yeah. Because I wear a Blue Jay shirt, yeah. <laughs> uh, how are you doing, Vlad? Excellent. Excellent. How are you? Good. I'm doing really good. Thanks for being with us today. You're welcome. Um, especially on thanks a game. For, thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Especially on a game day. Is Do it you, a game day? Game's going on right now. Yeah, yeah. They're losing, so it's better to be here right now. Oh, oh what's the score? 3 nothing. It'll come around. Hey, 3 nothing. I mean, the Canucks can come back from a 3 nothing deficit. Yeah, not, not a good time to be a Jays fan, that's for sure. Oh. So if we, can we go all the way back to early, early days? Like, how did... We know that you come from a different country. Yeah. That's pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes <laughs> so, people think that, yeah. When did you come here? And can you tell us a little bit about that? Oh, back in 1997. Um, yeah. Uh, we came on July 28th, I think, 27th. He was good with dates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, um, from? From Yugoslavia. And... Um, we were game because there was a civil war going on and um, we didn't want to have, take part in it and uh, chose Canada because my mom used to live here and uh, um, we still had a few of my aunts and uncles here so we thought it's a good idea to come here. And um, You come right to Vancouver? No, or? we came to uh, Penticton and then I finished high school there and and moved out to go to university here, and uh, that's how everything started rolling, I guess. Did you already know English when no, you arrived? No, I didn't speak English. Holy that's smokes. a common, common question, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So, so you had to learn the language. I did, yeah. I didn't, I didn't speak. That was, that was a, a interesting at the beginning. Not challenging, but interesting. Yeah. Uh, so how, learning new words. and How old were you when you got here? 16, 17. 17, I think, yeah. So you're learning English at 17. Wow. Yeah. It's not easy. No? Well, I want to believe there's better uh, people out there that can speak English better than I can. So, I mean, I'm a great writer. I know that. That's what put me through school. But mm-hmm. speaking-wise, you can tell. 
Well, you definitely have an accent, but I don't think you're a bad communicator. I don't think you're a bad speaker. Thanks. Very proficient with the language. So you came to Canada in 1997. You graduated high school. You went to university. When did you become a Jays fan? Well, that's a good story. Consider Yugoslavia never seen baseball, never mind played it. Uh, well, I came in July, and being a basketball player, I just wanted to watch basketball on TV, but NBA season is not on. Well, I didn't know any other sport besides football, I mean soccer. So no one watches soccer in Canada, so there was nothing on TV. And I was sitting in the orchard all day, and I'm not a guy that would pick fruits. So I was I was in front of TV, and I was looking for any kind of sport. I mean, I bet if hockey season was on at that time, I would have watched hockey and Canucks and, uh, and other teams. But hockey wasn't on in July. So I chose baseball. I didn't even know what baseball was. I didn't know it was a sport. I thought it was some sort of like a ninja games, the American Warrior or you know, something like that. I thought it was one of those things. Anyway, so I started watching and it was, I find, I found baseball very like, um, at that time, like intellectually driven. Like you have to know the rules really well. And it got my attention because I didn't know the rules. So I wanted to self-teach myself and figure it out. And I remember watching uh, um, the Jays on Sportsnet at that time. It was like, it's, it was called The Score. Um, and then um, Sportsnet 360 used to be called The Score. So I watched them on that. And then later on in the evening, I, I, I watched, it used to be called TBS, The Superstation. I don't mm-hmm. know if they have that still. And I know it was Atlanta Braves. And it was kind of going back and forth, back and forth between those two teams and, and nothing else. I had no friends. I didn't speak the language. I was just stuck in the orchard. So I watched a lot of baseball, kind of figured things out. And that's mm-hmm. how everything started, I guess. And always a Jays fan. Always a Jays fan. Not ever an Expos fan because the Expos would have been around still back then. Yeah, but Expos were not on TV. You see, it, oh, right. it's kind of like what you see is that's what you create the first relationship with. Yeah. It's kind of like they say the first beer you ever drink is going to be the one that you like the most. So uh-huh. it's kind of like that. Huh. It's all about sensation and perception, I guess. Psychologist. <laughs> Psychologist. So you grew up in the orchards. You became a baseball fan. When you finally did go to university, how did you decide what you were going to study? Well, I always knew that um, – that uh, I mean, my parents are both in education, so I've been around um, education theories, and uh, my mom's a university professor in pedagogy uh, in in Europe. So it was uh, it was always talking about the curriculums and the educational theory. And even though my parents didn't want me to become a teacher, uh, kind of in words of my dad. A white teacher, you can do so much more in life than that. <laughs> uh, I still chose it because I think I like working with kids and with with youth, and uh, I think it's a, it's a great um, great profession. So, so you obviously had an interest for psychology in the first place. Well, yeah, actually, uh, I always say uh, I wanted to become a psychiatric nurse as well. So that was kind of like my backup plan if if they don't let me into education. So um, um, I like psychology because mind is very unknown and um, and uh, we still don't know anything or much about brain, really. I mean, we, we all have hypothetical evidence. Even the science itself is based on hypothetical evidence of what 
brain is. So I, it's kind of interesting that way. It's unknown. It's, it's dark, and mm-hmm. and you want to kind of figure it out what it is. So it's well, interesting. I, I know people taking your course really, really enjoy it. They they talk highly about it. Um, they enjoy all the experiments and things like that. But yeah, psychology is a very fun thing to uh, to do, right? Mm-hmm. That's why people keep going back because it's fun. I mean, uh, you know, you learn about yourself, you learn about others, and uh, you learn how to uh, think differently, and uh, you have explanations on certain things, why things happen in, with your life, with yourself, unlike any other uh, f- uh, philosophical uh branch, uh, psychology can actually determine why you do certain things the way you do them. And I, again, a lot of people are now, mental illness is, 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 uh, is an epidemic in, 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 around the world, not just in this country. And, and I think a lot of, a lot of people take it to identify themselves, uh, to the, to the, uh, science and, and try to figure out the, the ways to cope with the, the hardships of, of mental illness. I think that's, one of the reasons, well, probably the biggest reason why people take psychology. And we do a lot with addiction and drugs, so people are curious about those things. Why would somebody do that? And, and you know, how to overcome it. And, and there's a lot of um, uh, immediate use to kids right now mm-hmm. when they take psychology. It's not like, you know, history of math, um, I, I was teaching both. I teaching both of them, so I can I can pick on those two, where some kids can identify with them and others not so much. So psychology is mostly. I mean, anybody can relate to it, right? So, um, well, especially not, yeah. especially in high school where there's so much stuff going on in in kids' lives, right? There's so yeah. much instability yeah. in some cases. And Social pressure. Emotion. That was the that was actually the one of the topics. Uh, for our experiments this year, actually, that was the theme to social norms and uh, peer pressure. So, most of the experiments this year was done on conformity um, at LVU, and uh, for the most part, it was done pretty well. So, high school is really a microcosm of the entire world when we think about it. Each high school is almost like its own little independent city, and it runs in that kind of way. There's a social hierarchy that exists, and Everyone kind of has a place where they fit or don't fit. And yeah. I think you're right. I think that there is an immediate takeaway from a psychology class for the students. Yeah. They, things that they learn in psychology, they can use as instantly as that day. Correct. Yeah. The, for the most part, most of them, unfortunately, they can. Because unfortunately, like I said, mental illness is, is, is becoming an epidemic in this country. And, and it's... Uh, it's evident that, you know, there are going to be students in this school that they're going to relate to those problems better than others. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I think uh, psychology can also teach those that are healthy how to help those in need and be educated. And, and, and it helps alleviate discrimination and and prejudice and stereotype surrounding the mental illness because I think the stereotype still exists. And it's um, it's making things worse for those that suffering and those that are um, in need of help. Do you think that there is a little bit of mental illness hypochondria, though? Do you think that there are some people that are self-diagnosing themselves 
with a mental illness that may not have it and are just using it as an excuse or a crutch to find a way in the world? Well, if you're doing that, then you something is wrong with you. Uh, so the thing is, if people are using it as an excuse, then that's alarming. Um, it's kind of like someone that would just get high to get caught. So it's a cry for help either way. Uh, I mean, you can't take that. Um, you can't. We, we can't. We gotta take it seriously because uh, if somebody is coming um, to uh, a counselor to seek help, they need help. And uh, if somebody's coming to my class to learn about mental illness because they think they're mentally ill, maybe they are. Maybe they're not. Uh, again, none of us in this school is is uh, qualified to diagnose anybody, and and that's not what we're doing in in my class. But education is very important, and educating kids on it, um, on on what that mental illness looks like, can maybe help them communicate information better to their counselors or to their doctors, and definitely is going to help them understand each other because, like, knowing about mental illness can maybe others can see that something's wrong and maybe they can report it to an adult or, or to their parents or, or somewhere else they can actually help them. But the thing is, if somebody is taking advantage of it, I, I, I really don't believe in that. I think there's if something is a cry for help and, and it has to be addressed. What would you say to our listeners if there's someone that's out there that might be struggling but doesn't know who to talk to or how to get help? What what kind of advice would you offer? Are we talking about the kids or adults? Either. Either. Well, the best thing to do is uh, is to talk, and and the best thing to thing to do is to open up to someone that you trust, and um, and that's the hardest part um, initially. But um, I think the biggest number one problem that that people that suffer from mental illness have on path to get better is the biggest barrier is themselves looking themselves in the mirror and, and saying to themselves, hey, I got a problem. Um, acknowledging and accepting the fact that something is wrong, that there, that you are suffering from a condition is the step one to get better. But most people, unfortunately, that don't get better are the ones that live in denial or, or the ones that don't accept the fact that mental illness exists, nor figuring out that they actually have it. So they try to refuse uh, help altogether. That's, I think, in my opinion, is, is the biggest problem with, with, with those that they need help. Um, if, if they understand it a little bit better and if they feel more comfortable with it, I, th- I think, and I, and I know a lot of psychiatrists will agree with this, uh, is that they will uh, be more successful in treatment. But again, the stigma attached to mental illness and the label that we have in our society uh, to those that suffer is far greater than the benefits that we provide to those that are uh, ill. So I think that's that's part of the reason why a lot of people don't don't come out, and because they're afraid that they're going to be weak, be perceived as weak, and and not not. Um, 
um, they're going to just be different and, and it's not going to look good. So it, it's, again, tying back to our social pressure and, and conformity and things like that. that do, you think, do you think things have changed over the last uh, few years? I mean, we certainly hear more about it nowadays. I think, do you it, think it changed in a way that we talk more about it, hmm. but it hasn't changed at all in terms of how we're dealing with it. Mm-hmm. So it's actually gone much worse. Uh, when it comes to mental illness, it, it gone much worse than it was, let's say, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. It gone worse because we're closing down the hospitals, um, and we're not we don't we're not providing um, um, care and enough resources to those in need. And I know there's always going to be somebody out there that's gonna. You know, give me some lame numbers and, and say, oh, look at this. We throw this millions of dollars into it. But the fact that you close down the hospitals, the fact that that our mental health and, and other um, medical uh, system is underfunded is 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 um, is not is not humane. And it shows the lack of care for people in general. And, and that's not scary right now. Um, coupled with. A lot of stress that nowadays exists in our society. I think, uh, unfortunately, mental illness is um, is flooding. It's 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 becoming um, flooding our society. It's becoming a um, epidemic. And I know a lot of people are going to say, "Well, we're more knowledgeable nowadays, and we can we can." Um, the counter argument goes to say, "We're more knowledgeable about mental illness. That's why we are." Um, labeling more people that's why we are diagnosing more people but that's incorrect we also know that uh sleep is and i've been saying this for nine years way before the latest research on sleep was published uh that that sleep is number one cause for everything and recently uh, the psychiatrists are now um, um, actually when you admit it to hospital they're not even treating the condition they're treating the sleep pattern first so if you end up in a hospital, uh, you will probably get sleeping pills before. I mean, if you get if you get into if you guys hospitalized for psychosis or for depression, you're probably going to see um, sleeping pills before you see antidepressants uh, or 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 anti uh, psychotic medication, because the psychiatry is now latest research from UBC as well on sleep is that sleep is then number one cause for for stress and for mental illness and and the thing is um a lot of psychiatrists today a lot of them uh, are treating sleep disorders before they actually sleep treat mental illness and um, um, i think looking at the sleep research our kids today sleep two hours less on average than their grandparents were and this is just two generations that's 40 years um difference and they sleep two hours less than their grandparents i think that's that's number one reason why we have more uh mental illness today not it's has nothing to do with the fact that we are smarter if you look at dsm manual dsm4 was uh the last one was uh that was published before the dsm5 that came out last year they're exactly the same book i mean if you look at it and that, that we are not more knowledgeable about it um, we're not doing anything different than we were not doing 40 years ago. The only difference is how we live our life. And technology has a lot to do with it, 
But I don't think that's number one cause. I think number one cause is still this lack of sleep that these kids have. Now, technology like iPhones and television screens and all that um, new modern things that, that we rely on every day uh, have an impact on our mental health for sure. But if you sleep six hours a day and you are a 12-year-old kid, that, you I mean, your brain is not nowhere near to be fully developed. You're automatically getting clearing glands and, and you just your corpus callosum is not fully developed until you're 15, 16 years old. And, and that's, that, that's, that helps you with your um, uh, social uh, stresses that you have and that helps you with your everyday communication amongst people. You can imagine how big of a stress would that be for a kid if they don't know how to act in certain social situations, especially amongst peers. Like you said yourself, you have um, different city. Like, you know, the high school is just another city. And if you don't fit in, um, it's not going to look good. It's not going to be pretty. And that itself is a problem. And if you don't sleep enough, you, I mean, deprive yourself and you're adults. You can deprive yourself of sleep and you'll see what you look like in five days, right? Well, speaking of technology, do you think technology is one of the major causes of lack of sleep? It could be. I mean, I know that um, they, again, research shows that the sunlight... um, is imitated from the screen on, on, on the uh, smartphones. So I always tell the kids, you go to bed, I mean, you're, if, you're, if you go to bed and, and, and your phone is sitting next to you, then it's more likely your brain's going to pick up the light when your phone goes through notifications. You know, you're going get, to get sunlight in your face throughout your night. So the best thing to do is just to flip the phone upside down. If you are going to get notifications throughout night, at least you don't get, I mean, you don't get screen right into your face. But that's just little steps, right? It's baby steps. I think technology is great, um, but we don't use it in moderation. We're becoming lazy and we're using it all the time. And it's changing the way we communicate. So I bet that our brains are changing as well. As a result of that, uh, the whole communication thing is we're losing the social, um, uh, not only social, but with the human element of it. We're becoming robots. We're conditioned to, uh, um, to technology instead of to relationships, I think. Instead of building relationships, we're more conditioned to it. And, and it's, it's a little scary when it comes to that. But again, I don't know how big of an impact that's going to have. And I don't think there is enough research to support it, that or to explain why technology affects um, us in our personality. At least we don't have as... We, there is some research, but not as much. But I do know that sleep, I can vouch for sleep for sure, that sleep research uh, indicates fully that it it leads to mental illness. Hmm. So, I mean, you you teach psychology. You've always had an interest in psychology in university. Um, And you you coach or you coached a lot as well. How how do you think that helped with your your coaching? It's it's, uh, it's amazing. You know, it keeps you... uh, as a coach keeps you in, 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 you know, in mental shape, I guess, you know, you have Mm -hmm. to be, you have to be sane and you have to have clear head and you have to be positive. And, um, I think coaching has to do, it has to start with you, the success for the team. It has to start with you. If you're level headed and, you know, if you 
um, if you know what you're doing, but also can control yourself and have that intrapersonal um, intelligence that can carry you through tough times. I think I think you can you can do great things. And on top of that, understanding people and what they're going through, I think psychology has a lot to do with it. Um, a lot of a lot of the times, you, it helps in building relationships and um, trusting um, others because teamwork is all about trust. And if you can build that trust, in if you can trust the kids and the kids can trust you, uh, the relationship is much more smoother that way. So psychology definitely helped coaching do, tremendously. Do you know that? Do you know if you actually use some of what you, your knowledge of psychology to probably help sub- your team yeah, uh, probably build sub- strategies and things like that? Probably subconsciously, but not unintentionally. I, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm, I, I didn't go into the locker room with uh, uh, a, a plan of using the- psychological <laughs> theories or my knowledge. I think it was more subconscious and it was more common sense that is probably product of uh, undergrad that I finished at SFU, I guess. So it's just the byproduct of, of who I am as a person. And I think, you know, education, um, whatever the form it comes with, education can definitely shape you as, as a human being, you know, whatever education you get, either from your uh, parents passing on uh, by by tradition, oral tradition, or by education system, or just by googling things. You know, education can come in different forms, and I'm not really talking about books and and tests. I'm talking about education in general, like building yourself as a as a person, the character. I guess I'm talking about the character. So, if you build up your character based on your experiences and and where you come from, I think that can have a lot of impact on it. I happen to have. Um, a lot of my background from, like I said, my parents and from psychology, I guess. So, can, can we talk about your your background before you came to Canada? Like, what what was growing up in Yugoslavia like? And I know that you you I don't know very much about that, but I know that uh, you told me once that you you played basketball and you got really far with that. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, yeah. Yugos- well, first of all, Yugoslavia is probably uh, the closest thing that we can have to utopia. And, and um, I mean, Canada is a great country, don't get me wrong, but but it's nowhere near where Yugoslavia was. Um, the standard of living is is far more poor than 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 what I grew up with. Um, people just don't understand that because they they they're misinformed. And miseducated from from very corrupt media that we have in Canada, unfortunately. And um, I'm not a politician. I'm not. Um, I don't have any cause. I don't support anybody or anything. Um, but I do know what I see with my own eyes. And um, the the happiness that that country had, and and uh, my first eleven years of my life that I lived. No child in Canada or any other place, maybe maybe uh, uh, Scandinavian countries. I've never been there, but they seem to be very happy. Uh, but I don't think that we in Canada today can provide what what Yugoslavia did to to me and my generation growing up. Uh, it was a very awesome place to live in, in which people worked uh, productively, but they were not overworked. Uh, they were rewarded 
for what they did uh, financially very well. Um, children would save. They, they would walk to school. Even in kindergarten, you would let the kids play outside. And I remember walking to my elementary school when I was in grade one with no parental supervision. Um, it was it was very safe place, and um, the emphasis was on kids, and the emphasis was was on on human growth and development. The emphasis was not really on money, but we had enough money. Everybody, there was no Hastings and Maine in Yugoslavia. You see that there is no way. Like, well, no one can dispute what I'm just saying. Even the even the biggest hater of Yugoslavian people, even the biggest hater that broke my country apart, even the biggest um, Nazi, because people that broke up from Yugoslavia are Nazis, even the biggest Nazi um, will have to agree with what I'm saying. There was no homelessness. It just didn't exist. And people had proper care, Medicare. If you're sick, you get top of the notch, Medicare system immediately. No lineups in emergency rooms. It, it was amazing. Everybody had a vehicle. Everybody had a place to stay. Um, everybody had food on the table. Um, it, it was it was really great place to grow up in as a child, and I can never forget that. Um, I'm very thankful to grow up um, in that kind of environment for the first 11 years of my life, and then unfortunately war broke out for whatever reasons. Uh, there's different theories. Again, they're very political. And I'm not going to go into that because, I mean, I may have my opinion, but it would probably be influenced by things that, by things that um, are not really um, well supported by my experiences, by mostly by stories I hear because I was a child. So I'm not going to get into that. Uh, but I do know that the country broke up and uh, for whatever reason, but it did. And um, that's how I ended up here. And I'm glad I did um, because this is the only home I have. <laughs> I mean, I got no other home. So um, this is Canada is my home and, and I, I'm happy that I'm here. Um, but growing up there and playing basketball definitely helped in, you know, uh, with um, just getting the mind off the war. That was a good thing, and I guess I was fortunate to sign the first contract when I was 15, and uh, just I was self-sufficient, put it that way, during that time. I mean, my parents didn't make uh, any money because the war was going on. You don't work. You make zero bucks. So, I mean, they didn't have to worry about me, at least, you know, occasionally. I mean, I, I would get shoes paid for, clothes paid for, so it, that way that was okay, but but again, it, it helped me in a different way that, you know, my mind was off, the, the garbage that was going on around me, and I think my parents were great because they encouraged that in me, encouraged me to keep playing basketball and and forget about, you know, that you know, anytime soon the bombs can start flying here and we can all die, so... It was it was different times. So basketball kind of kept me busy and kept me out of trouble and uh, kept my family happy because they knew that I'm still a happy child even though we're growing up in a in a bad time. So it was pretty good 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 thing that happened. So I I owe a lot to basketball and I that's why I started coaching here because I wanted to give it back to the game. Um, game is is very important to me because it gave me a lot. So. Um, 
I would like that to believe that most of the players that played for me, it gave them at least a little bit uh, satisfaction as it did to me. So, I, th- I think your players probably uh, feel the same way. Probably, you know, it gets them out of trouble, keeps them out of trouble, keeps them stable. There's, there's a, they have teammates, they have a coach. Yes, right, absolutely. The the, the biggest reason why I chose to uh, coach at high school level is 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 the growth of character and and building up the character for the future and for the skill set that you need in the professional world and um, it's extension of the classroom it's not a classroom but I still believe that I'm a teacher first and coach second and and most of the education was done through basketball like you do in drama or, or science you don't really you don't teach science or drama you teach kids and that's one thing that people need to understand when when you step on the basketball court I don't coach basketball I coach kids and and most of my education was done around that. Now, basketball was obviously a very important aspect of it in which kids had a lot of fun and they became healthy because they work out and their mind was clear when they go to class because they had that exercise. But that was all the benefits. But the biggest education that was done was probably what you just said, creating networking, um, developing relationships that's going to last a lifetime. Um learning from each other and and being able to cope with problems in a individually and in a group setting uh so a lot of things that we unfortunately cannot be done in the classroom it was exactly what it's supposed to be extension of the classroom it was done outside of it so that's why i really enjoyed basketball because um it helped that team building and don't get me wrong not everything was going smoothly we had our ups and downs in terms of character building, but overall, I think um, the 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 staff at Delview, we all work together in building these kids' character. And I and I thought that throughout the last nine years when I was coaching, um, everybody here in this in this um, school helped these kids that play basketball become better people. And 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 you can see that from our grad class. Um, each and every one of them is is a very good citizen um, that's either working really hard right now or starting their own family uh, or going to school for for something amazing um, all of them all of our basketball players at Delhi, they, they they came out of this school really prepared for it so um, it, it's something that I I really um, wanted to happen, but also I got a lot of help from W staff who actually work not only with the kids but with me on how to foster these kids in the right direction. I think um, everybody at this school, uh, I always say this and I truly believe it. Each and every person that walked through Delview that worked, uh, you know, teacher, administrator, supporting staff, um, people there on 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 our staff are great people, and I I sincerely think that they were really genuine in their approach um, when it comes to Delhi basketball and kind of what I envisioned and they helped a lot uh, over the last nine years not only me uh, becoming a better teacher and coach but also helping the kids that were involved in Delhi basketball because there were issues that needed um, greater assistance uh, than just a coach 
it needed, a lot of these kids needed family. And I think they needed guidance from not just me, but from other teachers and, and supporting staff. And I think Bellevue staff was amazing uh, collectively in, in helping these kids be where they are and helping us. I think I, I, I truly believe that the whole school takes credit for uh, the finals in 2015 uh, because the school lived for it and uh, everybody, staff and students in 2015 went all the way to the final. Um, they helped us, even if they didn't know they did, but they did a lot. So uh, I can thank Delview for making me a better person. I can thank Delview as well for creating Delview Basketball because I know that we would have never been this successful if we didn't have support from school. You know, I think it goes both ways, as I've seen as well, where, you know, sometimes we have we have the basketball kids in our, in our classrooms and something's going on with them. We often consult with the coach, right? Um, and, you know, you, you, you've always been there to, to help them out and sort out things and because it's almost like a second family to them. Well, it is. Well, we want to make well, same as anything else. A lot of a lot of kids that go to Delview, same as the teachers, they spend a lot of time here. Um, even even those kids, they're not associated with basketball, but it is Delview is a community, and um, I know that all of the people on our staff they keep coming back, and everybody wants to be here. Uh, but I can say firmly that that goes same for the students. Most of our students, if you. Um, come here on Friday night, you're going to see students at Delview. Five, six, seven o'clock, people are still here. That tells you that they rely a lot on, on, on this school as a community. And, and it's, uh, it, it's, it's really a special place. Delview is, uh, uh, I always say, uh, a, very, a small school that has a lot to give. Um, that used to be our, our you know, the motto or whatever you want to call it the, the, the slogan when you walk through the door used to say that you know this is a small school that has a lot to give and, and I really bought into that very quickly when I started teaching here so I think both uh, the staff and the students in it I think we all love coming here every day and I think uh, subconsciously we they create some sort of community that we take care of each other you talk about community building and the the fine community that we have built here at Delview and being a small school and, and all the things that we can do to, to help the students and to help the students build community and to give to the students um, and the staff and how we're all really good friends and it's very supportive and everyone's here to support everybody. You had an incident this summer where, uh, for better or for worse, the Delview community rallied around you. Um, and I was just wondering if you would take us a little bit through what led up to that moment. Absolutely. Exactly what you said. I mean, if it isn't for Delhi community, um, altogether, uh, I would have been, who knows, I would have been in straight jacket right now. I mean, <laughs> it's, uh, um, it wasn't easy. I mean, um, I've, I've been through some things in life that, you know, I, I, overcame uh, some things easily and some not so easily but um, you know losing losing your home and uh, walking out in a pair of shorts and with a cell phone in your pocket is uh, 
not something that happens every day. So uh, can, can you go through a bit of what happened? Yeah, like what time did this happen? Were you woken up by an alarm? Like, walk, walk us through it. Walk us through it. Um, well. I wasn't sleeping. I was watching the movie, and uh, I what what movie? I was <laughs> I, I was uh, um, it was the spotlight because oh, yeah. he won an Oscar, and yeah, I wanted to see movie. it. And yeah, it's a great movie. Yeah. And uh, I was very 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 rudely interrupted by uh, somebody that was yelling outside and wanted me to get out of my apartment. So I had to pause the movie. So I was not very happy. And uh, then the fire alarm went off few minutes later and uh i was also very angry because i couldn't start the movie again so they were yelling before the fire alarm yes before the fire alarm yeah so then the fire alarm started and i was very angry because i thought it was a prank i thought it was it was thieves they want us all out so they can come in and clean our place so i was getting a little agitated if you know what i mean Mm -hmm. Uh, so i um didn't quite take it seriously. I didn't think there was a fire until the until I came um, back because I initially went in the hallway to just tell people to calm down and to see who pulled the fire alarm um, just because I was not so happy at that time. So um, I came back because we saw the firefighters were already coming up and I was afraid that I'm going to insult the firefighters if I stay in, in, in my apartment. So at this point, you didn't smell anything or see anything? Well, I live in Surrey. I did smell a little bit of smoke, but then you smell smoke every day if you live in Surrey. So something <laughs> always happens. That's why they say it's better safe than Surrey, right? So, <laughs> oh um, so the thing is, um, I came back to lock my door because I sincerely thought that thieves are going to rob my place. And as I was closing my balcony, um, the flames burst out of the apartment next to me, about 15 feet away, I guess. Oh, my goodness. So the flames burst. And even then, I didn't think it's serious. I, I, <laughs> thought, I thought, okay, this is going to take 20 minutes to, to put down. I, I didn't think it was that big of a deal. And so I didn't grab anything. I just I grabbed my phone because I was going to play video games on it while the firefighters... <laughs> are going to put down the fire. So the only reason I have the phone and then the only reason I didn't lose the phone um, was to play video games or online poker, actually, um, while the firefighters are putting down the fire. And I thought it was going to be 20 minutes. But when I came down and when I saw what happened, it was a different story. So <laughs> things quite changed after that. So... Um, we got evacuated, and the buildings next to us, four or five, no, three other buildings, so four in total, got evacuated. So the firefighters, uh, I had to put it down. It took about 15 hours. Wow. Uh, it was a four-alarm fire, which is pretty big, actually, the biggest in serious history, I guess. And um, it was it was, um, it was was definitely different. It was definitely something you can check off your bucket list, I guess. <laughs> and uh, uh, after that, it was a reality check, couple of days later you know because at first you don't think about it too much but then again when you a couple of days later when you kind of get some sleep and you wake up and you realize oh wait a minute i have (laughs) no place to go now i have no clothes i have nothing uh that's when you start thinking uh what happened (laughs) so um I was fortunate, again, uh, I keep saying that over and over again, how fortunate I am to be at W because there's so many amazing people that 
walk through these doors. And um, very, very quickly after um, after this thing happened, uh, before I even knew it, um, Noah Troy created a GoFundMe website. Wendy Galtz was collecting donations uh, on her own, um, chasing me around Delta so I can buy some clothes. <laughs> um, and um, I have to mention Cecilio was that night uh, because I was pretty much naked outside. Um, Cecilio came and gave me a Dalby basketball shirt. <laughs> so I, I don't get cold. Um, and uh, it was amazing. Uh, our people rallied really fast. Uh, like I said, Wendy was there the next day and, and really gave me a... Um, something to uh, um, pretty much have in the meantime, like pretty much emergency. I mean, uh, Cecilia and, and Wendy were better at that time than pretty much the Red Cross was for us. But then again, uh, when Noah started the website the, and, and when people started flooding the, the Facebook with messages and support, um, that's when... I started feeling a little bit better. But like I said, if it isn't for those messages and, and if, you know, the, I, I wasn't working at Delview and um, all the people that reach out to me, uh, that meant more than, than the money itself. Um, money is good now because it, it helps me restart my life <laughs> and rebuild. But at that time, I think uh, being in a shock and um, being very bitter and disappointed in life itself, <laughs> I think uh, uh, the, the people reaching out, just saying, hey, how you doing, Vlad? Or, hey, Mr. Nicky, sorry to hear what happened. Just those words were kept me alive, I guess, if you can say it that way. I'm, I don't want to try to be melodramatic, but it's the truth. So um, a lot of the messages on Facebook for former students and from current staff and former staff and and people that were um, just uh, phoning me and leaving text messages as well just kept me positive. It, 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 it kept me uh, thinking that I should move forward and, and not look back because at that time, all you want to do is look back and you want to look back what if and there's a lot of ifs and buts and you know, why didn't you take your passport with you on the way out? Why didn't you wear your jacket? You know, why did you not wear shoes? You know, things like that. Like a lot of things come to your mind. And, you know, why didn't you, why didn't you grab your jewelry? Why didn't you, you know, just grab your wallet? <laughs> Simple things like that go through your mind. And, and to just kind of beat yourself up over things that are useless, I think a lot of the messages... Uh, kept me going because there's a lot of people that, that that they care about me. That's how I was looking at it. A lot of people that are reaching out, they they, they want to help and um, they want to do anything at this point just to make me feel good. That kept me alive. Uh, they kept me sane, literally sane, and um, and that kept me through this. And I can I can say that I'm I'm over it. I'm, I'm really I'm I was over it as soon as the school started because I was I was at home. In a way, Delview's home. And as soon as the school started, I think I was the happiest person (laughs) um, 
in the world that the school started. I can firmly say that. I don't think I was ever, ever so excited for the school year to start as I was this year because and it has nothing to do with with a class or with anything else but to see all the people, all the students, all the staff. They they helped me through this and kept my mind off of it because I'm a very positive person and there's a lot of negativity that happened over the summer and I just, I'm not used to it even though we came to this country because of war. <laughs> but that was really, I, I, I had a different outlook on life at that time. I was a child. But now it's it's different when you're an adult. You're thinking at things differently. And, and I think Delview community and Delview secondary helped me overcome that almost instantaneously. It was it was very instant. And and when the school started, it definitely um, opened up a new door for me, a uh, new outlook on life. I've seen all the kindness firsthand, all the people that were coming out, reaching out to me in person now, all those people that were sending messages. And then the students walked in and you kind of, when, when you look at the students, you always think about the future. You never look think about the past because the kids grow and the kids graduate and the kids do great things in life once they do graduate. And as an educator, you kind of look at those kids, um, they walk through your door and with a smile on their face and, and they want to greet you. They want to learn. They want to be better people and they want to grow and ultimately get, get out of here and do great things on their own. And that kept me really, um, not only sane, but kept me going forward and kept me positive because seeing these kids every day, um, I know that they're going to grow into good human beings and, and make our society, make Canada a better place. And, and that's what kind of kept me going. And, and it was, it was definitely therapeutic. It was definitely something that, that, um, I feel privileged to have. It's a privilege and, and it's, it's a gift, um, because, um, Delview is such a special place, very special. And people who never been here, they wouldn't understand. Um, Again, not only staff, but the students that go through these hallways are just amazing, amazing people. It's amazing how many, uh, I was looking at your GoFundMe list, how many former students and former staff uh, came back, you know, and, you know, contributed to that. Uh, but you, you see that at some of our events, like Thanksgiving, which we just had. So many former staff and students come back. Like I was looking around, and going, "Hey, I remember you." That was like five years ago, six years ago. They're they're back to to experience it again. It's 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 really something because uh, you know, walking through the hallways, you just feel that sense of like we're we're doing th- something different here. That you know, people can feel comfortable. Not everybody, but I mean, people tend to feel comfortable here. I, I've seen kids at Thanksgiving. I call them kids. They're not kids now. Some of them are 26 now. Mm-hmm. But I've seen people, uh, kids that come, uh, my first grad class in 2008 uh, come here. They're 26-year-olds now, but they still bring cans. You know, they, they still participate. They still come to our soccer games. I had two students that graduated in 2009 who came to soccer game the other day and watched it with us. And, and you know, they, were, they, said, they came to say hi, and, and they also... Watch the whole game. You know, they weren't planning to watch it, but they saw the game. And they're like, oh, this is kind of cool. Let's watch it. And uh, 
a lot of people come obviously for basketball events but but thanks for giving is probably um what defines us and and uh it's all about community support and community building and i i i mean i've been to a lot of schools in my or over, over my last what 25 years that i was going to school or no, more than that 28 now i'm getting old <laughs> uh 28 years in schools uh you know um I've seen a lot of schools and, and I mean, this is truly a special place, uh, because not many schools can say that exactly what you said, you know, alumni, former staff, current staff, current students all kind of team up, uh, and, and, and live Raider life, you know, it's truly special. I don't think many people can say that. Um, I know other schools try with, uh, different, um, sports activities uh, because sports brings tradition but but it's not the same it's not the same because W is not defined by a single thing it's defined by itself actually by community and uh, that's what we have here it, it is a community it's it's wonderful place to be uh, wonderful place to work and, and I'm sure students are going to agree with me it's wonderful place to attend and, and learn so um I, I think I, I again I thank everybody that was involved in Delview overnight or, or, ever because like you said there were former teachers that that that, that reached out to me and I, I want to thank again everybody uh, that has Raider blood in them uh, because um, I mean for I don't know for how many times uh, they showed we showed that that they, we are the best school in BC. So, I mean, no doubt about my in my mind about that. So, so you touched on a little bit of your your start in, in teaching a little bit. Um, now, before before that, uh, you were big into basketball. Did, you made it to the national team, I think you said. No, no, no. no. I, I played semi pro. Semi pro. Yeah, when I was okay. fifteen to seventeen. Did that continue when you got here? Did um, you continue. Play I think basketball? English was. Lack of English was my biggest problem. I, I uh-huh. played in high school, um, but I I chose not to play in university basketball because uh, um, I didn't speak English properly, <laughs> uh-huh. and it was it was either go to school or play basketball. I knew that I can't make it to pro level. If I do make it to pro level, it's going to be a bench player making. 1200 bucks a month and that's going to happen for a couple of seasons and then you're done like i pretty much knew my knew where i was in a pecking order and uh playing university basketball i know i was good enough definitely to play at, at, at the next level but it wasn't really um it was a choice uh my conscious decision to focus on education i was afraid that i'll never going to learn english if i don't you know go to Douglas College and continue studying English and uh, try to transfer to SFU someday. I mean, I was successful at it. I'm, I'm pretty happy about it, but basketball was definitely not a priority at that time. So do you, do you remember the moment you knew that you wanted to do teaching? You wanted to become a teacher? Well, subconsciously, I think I knew I was going to be a teacher when I was seven years old. <laughs> but that's not what my parents wanted to do. So, uh, again, they, they thought I'm much smarter than, than being a teacher. Uh, they wanted me to uh, go into finance or to go into law. Um, so I you, was you considering... Actually, you actually knew that you wanted to teach eventually? 
I, I knew that it, I'm going to be in education. Yeah. I knew I'm going to be into education. I personally, I, I always thought I'm, I'm, my dad is actually, a, uh, he was a vice principal and a counselor. So I always thought, okay, I'm going to be a counselor like my dad because I, I don't think I'm as smart as my mom. Uh, my mom, like I said, was a university professor and I thought I was, oh, that's, you know, it's too smart for me. So um, I always thought, um, you know, I can, I can just uh, work in high school, but really didn't really got to it until I got to SFU, mm-hmm. uh, 2002. Um, but my parents wanted me, like I said, to go to law or to finance. So I initially started with business and, and was, you know, volunteering in certain law firms, just to kind of get my feet wet, wanted to see what it's like. On top of that, I did some volunteering as well in mental institutions because I wanted to, uh, again, psychology was pretty cool. But um, being in a law firm and sitting behind the desk and working with papers and pens and mm-hmm. and things like no have have no human connection or value, I couldn't see myself do that for the rest of my life. So... I and, and plus my business marks and my because I took some business courses, I I was really bored to death. I, I really I found it very boring, um, not rewarding at all, and uh, very redundant job. So, and then you know I looked at a lot of my friends that went into teaching at that time because I was actually I didn't really stay away from basketball during my college years. I was refing basketball, so a lot of the. Refs come from education background, like they were teachers. And um, I seen them, you know, their stories, you know, in the locker room, you're getting dressed for the game and these refs are telling you what happened at work. And I was like, wow, that reminds me of what my parents do, did for a living in, in Yugoslavia. It was pretty cool. And man, I only hear these stories. Growing up, I hear these stories. I mean, refing basketball, I hear these stories. Kind of, what, what am I doing mm-hmm. studying business, you know? And that's kind of what, um, you know, there's a guy named Jerry Carvelis. He was um, um, a teacher from North Van, and he happened to ref a lot of games with me. And, you know, Darren Owen, another one, um, he's a teacher from Richmond. And uh, those guys, you know, they just have their little stories when I work with him. And it was kind of like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the wrong thing. I got to go into teaching now. So... Soon it became a passion and it became, it became, uh, when I transferred to SFU, it became a goal. It became like something that you just accept. There's no, you know, when they say failure is not an option, right? It's kind of like that. Like, no, I'm not becoming a teacher. End of story. Like, even if I don't get accepted, like, eventually I'll get accepted. If I don't, maybe I'll go into psychiatric nursing. But I was just like, plan C and you know, plan A was going to education and plan B is go to education somewhere else. <laughs> like I always tell, you know, if I don't get into SFU, UBC will accept me, you know. Thanks. Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get accepted to SFU, but I did get accepted to UBC. So, point proven. I mean, come on. Let's face it. Waldman went to UBC. No, I'm just <laughs> Delete that. <laughs> no, I think... Uh, I think I, I talk to kids who who seem like they they know that that they want to go into a certain area, and like for me, I didn't I didn't know. I just went and took courses that I were, was interested in, and I, and then finally, I kind of like you. I thought about all the things that I enjoyed: working with people, working with kids, 
doing summer camps and things like that. And then that's kind of when I realized that's perfect. I just, I just want to teach. That's what I want to do. Um, and, you know, I often tell kids, you know, you might not want to be so decisive as to exactly what you want because you want to be a little bit open to, to new things that come along or, you know, discovering one day that, you know, maybe this is not the right path and I'm going to switch paths and that's okay, right? Well, the kids that usually come to me and they're very frustrated now, they're especially grade 12s because there's a lot of pressure going back to, you know, the stress levels and lack of sleep and, and mental health that we talked about. There's a lot of kids that are stressed out because, again, there's tremendous pressure nowadays on them to graduate and go to university. Mm-hmm. And the pressure is that much higher because, unfortunately, the system doesn't really prepare them for university uh, to that extent. Um, I mean, we do our job, all of us, to, to, to educate them and and. But preparation itself is, is on a different level. And they, some of them are confused and lost in a process of how to get there. And others think beyond university and they don't know what they're going to do. And, 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 and when they come to me, they say there's, they are stressed out about it. And you can tell you don't need to have PhDs, psychology degree to, to, uh, to look their face and figure out that they're stressed out over these things. But, the only thing that I would recommend these kids and that I tell them all the time is the beauty of our education system is you can go to university and change the profession halfway through it without losing any credits or money to pay for courses because we do have things like breadth requirements. We have, uh, you know, uh, changes in majors. We have uh, flexibility on going from you know the arts into sciences for grad schools uh, we had people there you know have arts degree going into business finishing MBA and, and going becoming very good successful businessmen or businesswoman and going into um, human resources and doing different things that not necessarily were accentuated in their earlier stages of undergraduate studies. So the only thing I, I, I try to um, convey to these students, they, they talk to me about these things, is I always tell them the bright side, which is, you know, you're very capable and you can do it because I firmly believe they can. If you want to go to university, do it. And if, if you choose a couple of courses and you don't see yourself in them, not the end of the world. You're not losing anything. Mm-hmm. I highly recommend kids that if they're planning to go to university, do it right after high school. Because unless unless you have to find a job and unless you're not sure, unless you're not sure at all if you should do it or not, then don't do it. But if you know you're going to end up there anyway, do it. You will find yourself. Don't you don't have to take five courses. Take three courses. Take one course. Work in the spare time. But have your feet wet. Go there. Talk to the academic advisors there. Pick the brains of other students. What they like because there is life after high school, and it's a great life. And a lot of these students that they're um, worried about what they're going to do in life. They need to learn that they will find themselves. Like you said, John, you know, you, you go to university and you don't know what, what you're doing, what you want to be when you grow up. Mm-hmm. But you do grow up mm-hmm. and you kind of find yourself, find yourselves in it. And, and you become 
somebody that you want to become. And I think it's most important thing that I do tell these kids is, is that, you know what, as long as you find something that you love and you're passionate about, you will be good at it. Because if you don't like what you do, you can never get better at it. Right. You just, there's no motivation that will drive you. Yeah, absolutely. Now, what was your career path like after you got into uh, education? You finished that. Um, well, I, I was a TOC for one afternoon at South mm-hmm. Delta Secondary, and next day I was teaching at Delhi full time. So. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I didn't even know that. I thought you were at some other schools. No, so I was I was uh, born and raised at Delhi. Delhi <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is my first and only school. Uh, and you've, I've been, like I said, I've been very privileged. Yeah, yeah. spoiled. <laughs> That's why I act the way I do. So how I'm long spoiled. have you been here now? I'm going to my tenth year. Tenth my year. first day was on September, I think, eight, two thousand and seven. He is good with dates. He is good with dates. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well. So I was here. Good with uh, numbers altogether. <laughs> I think I was here three years before you came. Yeah. Yeah. I remember getting close. He was going into uh, his fifth year. Right. And it was like yeah. something like that. Something like he that. Was, uh, he was still telling me he's not an experienced teacher. And I was, just, <laughs> I was just looking at him like, what are you talking about? You're five years here. <laughs> so it ended up being very fast. The fly- time flies. And we almost lost you. <laughs> at one point, uh, you were working with uh, KPU. I think you were considering... Oh, no, that. no. Well, I was... Uh, that was... Let's not get into that. That was... <laughs> okay. That's actually probably uh, the biggest stress. I think bigger was than it? losing home. But, really? Um, yeah, it was... Things didn't quite work out um, yeah. there because of... Again, the way we treat kids is not very nice uh, in mm-hmm. this country, I think, overall. Um, I don't think kids are the priority. I think... I think that's unfortunate. Unfortunately, our society today don't prioritize children over, over, I don't know, money and and uh, money and uh, more money. money. Um, so the thing is, um, I I got myself into into uh, very dark waters, um, and and I experienced um, very bitter. Uh, side of education system and or lack thereof um, not the greatest experience yes I I, I had a bigger picture for uh, Kwantlen um, and I had bigger picture of what education system at that level should look like and uh, but again it was very deceiving in the end and um, it was not really what um, our society wanted um, and, and a lot of kids got hurt. And when kids get hurt, I get hurt. Because I, I really, I'm very passionate about um, uh, providing the care and uh, providing and fostering uh, kids to become good citizens. Uh, ultimately, I think that's that's why we all teach, is to make kids become citizens. I think it's our social responsibility, and I think it's our moral responsibility as educators and, and Canadian citizens to to. Um, build a society that's going to be strong for the years to come, even after we die. Because um, if we care about Canada, then we, we care about who's going to live in it after we, we're gone. So um, I, I think that 
that was not the case, at, at, unfortunately, at Kwantlen, and, and it left really bitter taste in my mouth. Um, but again, I always know that I know that I always have home here, and Delvue's roof over my head, and it's it's home, and it's family, and it's community, and it's there's always the light at the end of the tunnel. So um, it was it was definitely uh, great uh, to be part of this, and um, it's it's been again privileged to be hired straight out of SFU. Uh, to Delvue Secondary it, it was just uh, felt like winning lottery it's the same thing but at the same time I think you were part of building what we have now right it wasn't it wasn't always going to be that way unless we we kept it up and did did our part to to make it what it is now yeah I think I think like I said the students uh, um, have a lot to do in it uh, staff has a lot to do with it I think this is a very very uh, um, accepting and very loving staff that uh, cares about everybody. It's not just about one group of staff or 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 not. I think collectively staff respects each other, um, whatever our roles are, from the admin to custodial staff. I mean, we all friends with each other. You know, at the end of the day, I mean, I may see our admin as, as our bosses, but I also see them as mentors, as friends, as as family. And it's, uh, you know, I know that I can trust them. I, I deeply do know that deep inside that I can trust. Uh, I mean, every uh, everybody that walked through that door, I mean... Um, like I said, the, from the administrators all the way to custodians or whatever, however want to make the stereotypical hierarchy look like, and I don't even know what it looks like. To us, I don't think there is a hierarchy. I don't think there is. Um, I don't think there is that pyramid of structure of where you belong in Peking. I think we all respect each other. I think this is why this school is successful because we worked with each other. Um, I think that uh, everybody cares for each other, and I think that's why we have a great staff. And um, I think the kids are feeding off of that. I think the kids see the res- mutual respect that we have for everybody in the building. And I think that that respect is is modeled to kids. And that's why kids are, I think, um, getting better every day. I mean, this school, like you said, was not always the way it was right now. And I think it took a lot of time and work and very... A long, uh, a lot of persistency, a lot of grit that staff in general had. All the, you know, supporting staff, teachers, administrators, over the last ten years and now, that you know kept modeling this, even when it didn't work, even when you know some kids didn't maybe want to uh, go down our path. We kept our beliefs and we kept going and, and we kept going and, and I think we're now where we at and, and I think it's a great place. I think it, we, we, we're at its uh, highest when it comes to a uh, level of respect and, and dignity and, and citizenship at this school. Um, considering how, how uh, involved our kids are in, in, in a lot of charities and in a lot of events and a lot of community programs. Um, I think uh, I think I want to say we did an amazing job 
modeling the behavior that we want in, in our citizens, in, in future Canadians that are going to come out of this school and, and rule Canada. I think we model it right well, and I think uh, we grew through the process as well as people, as individuals, and I, and I think we're going to continue to do the same. So, so uh, going forward, what do you, what do you think, uh, what are some of your goals as a teacher, and what are some of the things you're looking forward to? Like anything new and exciting for you, or things that you that are goals that you want to hope to meet? Well, I I would I would like to grow, uh, continue to grow as as an individual, like I have been doing for the last ten years in this school. I think we can always get better. Uh, I think this school is amazing, but I think we can do more. Um, and um, I think uh, creating a, a culture in which we're gonna. Um, kick ass when it comes to academics is maybe the step we need to move uh, towards now. I think uh, we established definitely that we're definitely the the best school in our district when it comes to uniqueness, uh, progress. We have the most, by far the most progressive school in our district. Um, we know that we have, our, our students are the most involved in, in the community, like no other school can or does what our students do. Um, I know that um, athletics has has improved a lot over the last 10 years overall. I know that we have long tradition in drama and art and, and fine arts. And, and I think academically, um, we're really solid in comparison to everybody else. But I think we can excel. I think we, we, I think we will excel. I think uh, introducing flex time was, was, a, was a really uh, one step towards that. And it shows that we constantly are who we are, very progressive people. Um, and and uh, this school is striving to be better. So in introducing flex time this year, introducing collaboration time a few years behind, uh, was really a, a great indicator of, of where we are as, as a community and where we want to go towards. And um, I think uh, that... Not only that, but in years to come, I think we will achieve our academic goals as well. I think I think the, a lot of schools, including us, we're struggling a little bit uh, with with uh, you know numeracy and literacy. Um, there is a little decline, but I think we're going to overcome that. I think that the kids are taking uh, our students are taking flex time very seriously, from what I've seen. Uh, in my room and talking to other teachers. I think kids are actually very productive. And as a teacher, I see improvements because kids are less stressed out uh, since we introduced the flex time because they finish their homework on time. And also they have more time to reach out to us and talk to us about about things. Uh, Mm -hmm. Not necessarily always about school, but problems as well, Mm -hmm. which is something that I'm looking forward uh, to because I think we can help maybe not everybody but one kid at a time and 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 i think this can be a better place and it wouldn't hurt if we win a blue banner i would like to see that (laughs) Uh, any 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 team i'm not talking about basketball i'm talking about any team i don't care if it's badminton or bochi if 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 they even play (laughs) that i really don't care what it is um I just want to see. I think we were one of the. I think we're the last school in in, in our province yeah. without a blue banner in the gym. Um, maybe maybe Kent knows a few more schools because he's an AD. Maybe, um, but I, I haven't been in a school, 
And I've been through a lot of schools, coaching basketball, going to the gym. I've never seen a school except us without a blue banner. Um, so that's, I think I would love to see any sport just win a blue banner. <laughs> that let's would be it. that would be that would be a good thing to do. Anyway, let's, that would let's be. be a blue banner school. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for thanks for talking to us today. And uh, obviously, you're a very amazing person and a passionate teacher. So wow. um, we're glad to have you here. Everybody's thanks, glad Josh. to have you. That's why you had so much support. So it's it's you. Um, so thanks a lot. Well, thank you, John. Thanks for having me and Mark. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, thanks for uh, and go nice Jays. comments. Well, yeah, I hope so. Could be over now. It is over now. We'll see. All right. Thanks, Thanks. Vlad. Thank you.